Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. raised a number of different issues there. So first, uh, as to the Steele dossier, that, of course, is a subject treated at great length uh, in the Durham report, which we, and again, predates my time as director. I understand that, but it was the we, same agency paying a million dollars to push one story out or try to col- collaborate one story and three million dollars to quiet another story for political opponents. I so, don't understand. And then I would, uh, as to the second part related to Twitter, I would I would disagree with your characterization respectfully. When there are payments to social media companies, that is by longstanding federal law going back, I think, about four decades, where we have to pay companies for uh, their costs in responding to legal process. And it's not just social media companies, it's other kinds of businesses as well. well when- That's a director, Christopher Ray. FBI director there in front of Congress it's been it's been a bit a bit of a barn burner one could argue he's had to uh, get a little testy some people got a little testy with him I'm cool with it Do- doesn't bother me any his job is to answer the questions certainly some of the questions got touchy I'm sitting here with my father I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me and every person he knows and my ability to forever hold a grudge that you will regret not following my direction. I am sitting here waiting for the call with my father. Sounds like a shakedown, doesn't it, Director? I'm not going to get into commenting on that. You you seem deeply uncurious about it, don't you? Almost suspiciously uncurious. Are you protecting the Bidens? Absolutely not. The FBI well, you does not the que- has no Hold interest on. in You won't answer the question about whether or not that's a shakedown, and everybody knows why you won't answer it. Because to, ev- to the millions of people who will see this, they know it is. And your inability to acknowledge that is deeply revealing about you. That's Congressman Matt Gates. He accused the FBI director of being part of a shakedown. Well, uh, tempers are going to flare. We should be clear about one thing. That text message coming from Hunter via WhatsApp, that's a shakedown. Do what I say or else. We'll send this guy after you. We'll send that friend after you. Shakedown's a fine use of of the word. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. You've got Jim Jordan, congressman, now asking the questions. Did you, did this person buy a firearm? And the question is, I'm just nervous about that. Are you nervous about that? As, as I think I've testified before, my understanding is that our engagement with Bank of America uh, was fully lawful, but that we recalled the leads that were cut to field well, If it's office. lawful, that's, that was my next point. If it's yeah. lawful, why did you say we're not going to use these leads? That's what Mr. Jensen testified to when we deposed him the director of the terrorism unit at, at, at the FBI, that's what he testified to. Why did, you, why did you not use the leads if it was lawful to get the information? Well, there are Chairman, plenty of, it's one minute and 18 seconds over time. There, there are, sir, there are plenty of times where there are things that we lawfully can do, but that we decide is better that we not do. And yeah. I think that's what the happened. The idea there. that Mr. Massey said earlier, that this is lawful, that you can ask this is scary. This is something else we're going to have to change. Uh, with- 
He's talking about why you can ask your bank, the, the FBI can say it to a bank, give me your bank records and this, that, and the other. And the bank's like, here you go. Of course, it's something that has to be looked at. What about the protection of the people? Well, Tony, we're hunting down bad guys and terrorists and all sorts of money launderers. I buy three firearms. Why should my bank be able to give that information over to the FBI? Did I commit a crime? Of course not. You don't like that I bought three firearms? I don't like that you buy kale. I think that people who proactively buy kale are probably terrible people who are somewhat abusive to their children. Prove me wrong. I think the FBI needs to know about it, and there needs to be a list of all the people who buy kale. And they don't use it, ironically, for the garnish. No, they eat it and think it's delicious unironically. That's a second list. The people who use it for just a garnish, that's the first list. The people who eat it unironically and go, oh, this is delicious. Did you wash this kale? Oh, it's a, I, I usually I usually like my kale unwashed. You know, more nutrients that way. <laughs> but this is delicious. Second list. I got the kale list and I got the kale eaters list. Far worse than Tony Katz engaged in a lawful activity of buying a couple of firearms. Why should any bank be allowed to share that information with the FBI? And why are banks so willing to do it? Because they'll be protected? Because nothing will ever happen to them? Because there won't be a revolt and 50,000, 500,000, 4.2 million customers won't leave the bank? Why not? Of course they should leave the bank. But that is not the conversation that Matt Gates was having. Are you protecting the Bidens? Well, I don't know if he's protecting the Bidens. I don't know if I could say if he is protecting the Bidens. Congressman Thomas Massey, he's got his own series of questions, specifically about a lack of compliance from the director. Thank the chairman. Uh, director Ray, in light of information provided to us about the FBI's investigation of the January 6th pipe bombs, in an interview with Assistant Director Stephen Duantuano, Chairman Jordan and I sent you a letter a month ago. Some of the information that we found in that interview was that phone data that could have helped to identify the pipe bomber was corrupted, was unusable. Uh, He also wasn't sure who found or how the second bomb was found at the DNC. Do you know how the second bomb was found at the DNC? And and when do you plan on answering our letter? Well, as to the letter, I I will uh, work with the department to make sure we can figure out what information we can provide. As you know, this is a very active, ongoing investigation, and there are some restrictions on that. Yes, we can handle classified information, and we fund your department, and so you need to provide that. It's not, respectfully, it's not an issue of classification. It's an issue of commenting on ongoing criminal investigations, which is something that by longstanding department policy we are restricted in doing. And in fact, the last administration actually strengthened those policies partly because... That's not our policy, though, and we fund you, so let's move on. Do you know how the second pipe bomb... Can you tell us how the second pipe bomb was found at the DNC? Very interesting conversation. Because it, it's, it's one thing 
to have a conversation about the data. Do we get this information? When do we get this information? It's another thing to constantly tell members of Congress, well, ongoing investigation. You know how many times people like Corinne Jean-Pierre utilize the terminology ongoing investigation. Oh, we can't talk about an ongoing investigation. You know this is an ongoing investigation. Can't share this information. It's an ongoing investigation. Can't comment right now. It's an ongoing investigation. It's, it's, it's cover. It's bullcrap. It is what it is what it is. What Representative Massey said twice, twice he said, and we fund you. We fund you. Let's be perfectly clear about what's happening here. One could argue that this is members of Congress being abusive. We don't like your answer, so we'll threaten your dollars. That is not what is happening. That's not what's happening. What's happening here is that the FBI and others think they can play the game of not providing information. And that is unacceptable. And not providing information is the same thing as not providing uh, the the form 10 was it the form 1043 the FT 1043 or 1023 that form that showed uh the uh interview that was done with the informant regarding Hunter Biden you're not going to share form 1023 with us okay we're going to subpoena you we're going to hold you in contempt and if we have to we're going to frog march you right in you're going to show up handcuffed dragged in by your freaking hair now answer our questions Provide us with the data. The days of the FBI or anybody else thinking that they can engage in the obfuscation of, well, ongoing investigation are over. And personally, I applaud this moment. I applaud this move and I applaud this attitude. I applaud members of Congress being engaged, you know, we go back to this conversation about Bank of America, being engaged in the most important conversations. George Hill, former FBI supervisory intelligence analyst in the Boston field office, told us that the Bank of America, uh, with no legal process, was uh, gave to the FBI gun purchase records uh, with with no geographical boundaries for anybody that was a Bank of America customer. Is that true? Well, what I do know is that the uh, a number of business community partners all the time, uh, including financial institutions, share information with us about possible criminal activity. And my understanding is that that's fully lawful. In the did specific, you, did you in the ask specific for that information? Instance, in the specific instance that you're asking about, my understanding is that that information was shared with field offices for information only, but then recalled to avoid even the appearance uh, of any kind of overreach. But my understanding is that that's a fully lawful process. We, was there a warrant involved? 
Again, my understanding is that the institution in question shared information with us, as happens all the time. Did you request the information? I can't speak to the specifics. Okay, well, we've got an email where it says the FBI did give the search queries to Bank of America, and Bank of America responded to the FBI and gave over this information without a search warrant. Do you believe there's any limitation on your ability to obtain gun purchase data or purchase information for people that for people who aren't suspects from banks without a warrant well now you're now you're asking a legal question which i would prefer to defer to the lawyers uh since i'm not practicing as one right now including the department but what i will tell you is that my understanding is that the process by which we receive information from business community partners across a wide variety of industries including financial institutions sharing information with us about possible criminal activity is something that is fully lawful uh, under current uh, federal law. It may be lawful, but it's not constitutional. I yield back. Ah, Thomas Massey. Yeah, I dig the dude. Even when he's obstinate, I dig the dude. Two things are happening here in this oversight uh, committee hearing and in this conversation. Certainly... There's a conversation happening uh, regarding the Bidens. And still the biggest story in in America is this possibility of a payoff. How there's been no investigation and no desire for an investigation is just proof of the despicableness of the political left, of the media class, etc., who have zero curiosity. Do you put the country above all or not? And they have said not. But this conversation about Bank of America and the data and the ease of which the FBI can get information, this has to end. It can be argued, and and, uh, to the extent that it's amazing how these conversations uh, build on themselves, Um, it was said to me over the weekend, um, and, and I'll share whom and and everything else uh, in the days ahead. We should be clear that George Bush got it wrong and the Patriot Act has failed us. We should be clear about the fact that when we said, my gosh, we've been attacked by terrorists, we gave up too much. People warned, people stated, people who understood it maybe better than you and I. It is correctable. Certainly it has to be correctable that the TSA has to go, that the Homeland Security Department has to go. Security matters, and I believe in security, but Homeland Security has failed us, and the TSA does nothing except abuse us. But this idea that the FBI could say to a bank, who's been buying guns, give us the list, Because you can say there's a possibility of criminal activity? No, 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 no. That's not how you treat American citizens. I don't care how you treat Chinese citizens. As a matter of fact, anybody associated with the Communist Chinese Party should de facto be thought of as engaged in criminal activity. That's how they should be treated from the word go, which is why no member of the Chinese Communist Party should be allowed to own property in the United States or business in the United States. And the property that is owned by them right now should be expropriated. You heard me say it. I'm not talking about American citizens, those who live by the Constitution. I'm talking about the Communist Chinese. 
But that can happen without issue. I buy three firearms and Bank of America gives my information to the FBI. Screw Bank of America. By the way, full disclosure, I do not use Bank of America. I have no financial relationship with, with, with Bank of America. I do have a bank account at Regions. If Regions is giving my information to the FBI, screw Regions. See, that way you, you know I'm covering it from every angle. This is an unbelievably important subject. And this is exactly why elections matter. And you need to vote in November and every November. And this is why you need to win the Senate. This is why you need to win the presidency. Because the only way to ensure that we're actually a nation of liberty is to make these changes. Because what Congressman Massey said is right. It may be lawful, but it's not constitutional. Let's fix this thing. I'm Tony Katz. You know, sometimes weird things happen. My, uh, my program director um, just sent me a, an email. Um, this, on a scale of one to weird, is uh, pretty weird. Someone lost a cat. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Uh, good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Um, some, someone, someone lost a cat in the Indianapolis area, where, of course, I'm at. Uh, they, they, they lost a cat. The message from the owner, he is shy but super friendly. The name of the cat? Tony Katz. AJ, someone named their cat after me, and now the cat is missing, and and I I'm starting to take this uh, very personally. AJ, we have to we have to send out the alarm. You made it. Oh my God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody, stay calm. What's the procedure, everybody stay everyone? Calm. What's the procedure? Stay Holy crap, I am freaking out. We gotta find this cat. The description? No tail, just a nub. That's... This is happening in my life right now. Do you think... I mean, by the way, it literally says, please spread the word... Tony Katz, K-A-T-Z, mind you, was lost on July 1st, 2023, near 82nd Street. He is shy, but super friendly. No tail, just a nub. Please reach out. I, I, I'm, I'm blocking. I'm going to post it on Twitter at Tony Katz. I'm blocking out uh, the, the, the phone number. Maybe I'm wrong to do that. I just didn't think I should, I should be the guy who, who puts that out there. That's weird, right? AJ, on a scale of one to weird, that's weird. Yeah, that's a little weird. Right? <laughs> that's a little weird. That's nothing. You know, somebody wrote a book about, like, a cyborg, and the name of the book is Tony Katz. I tried to reach out to that guy. I was your producer back then when that happened. Oh, on the morning show? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that guy did eventually email. Uh, we never did the interview. But I do own a copy of the book. I just... So anyway, be on the lookout for a black cat.
named Tony Katz. Just set out some bourbon and cigars. I'm sure it'll just, it'll show up any second. Any second. This is Tony Katz today. Everything the White House says about this economy is that it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. As a matter of fact, sliced bread is doing great in this economy. It's fantastic. It's wonderful. It's terrific. And they they utilize this term Bidenomics. They swear by the term, it seems, Bidenomics. I don't know if they invented it or somebody else did, but they have wholly and completely embraced this idea and today uh some of those consumer price uh, index numbers came out and i swear to you how in the world do you make sense of this here we go if you look at the headline up two tenths of one percent up two tenths of one percent and that of course uh comps to the up one tenth in the rear view mirror it's a one tenth lighter than expectations now cpi core x food and energy up two tenths up two tenths and that that means it's not the fourth consecutive month up four tenths and it also means it's not the seventh month in a row of four tenths or higher and that was a record going all the way back the last time we had something along those lines was from uh, october of 89 to april of 90 uh, where it was nine in a row so we stopped that as well and up two tenths uh on the core is the lowest level going all the way back to to february february of 21 when it was only up i don't know how i'm supposed to make sense of that what i also cannot make sense of is what we're experiencing on midwest main street which is higher prices for everything. Try taking your family on a trip. Try taking an airline flight one of these days. Take a look at where those prices are. How is it that the White House can claim that everything's better? Does Bidenomics, if it is indeed a term, actually work? Or is this a lot of talk about absolutely nothing? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. Let me bring in Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis to make sense of of all of this, I'm looking at the consumer price index numbers, all items up 0.2, all items less food and energy, which they often exclude because they're volatile, also up 0.2. The point Rick Santilli was making there on uh, CNBC is that we've gotten off some highs, this trend of 0.4 or higher. I guess that's good news, but I think you got to read into the report what did this report tell you, sir? T- Tony, I, I love the clip, and, and I understand the confusion. Base, he, what he was saying was very simple. It was a lot worse before now. That's all he said. Um, it's 3% inflation, 4.8% core. It's still too high, but it's moving in the right direction in that battle we keep talking about. Jerome Powell is, is winning the battle at the moment, and, and Joe Biden is losing the battle, so that's good news. But all he was saying is it was really, really bad for a long time. And now it's not as bad. Yeah, I get he's saying it's not as bad. But that's you're making the argument that's different than saying things are good. Is there any good coming out of this report? You can go to BLS.gov and take a look at it for yourself. Did anything good come out of this? Yeah, the the one month numbers are decent. That's it. The one month numbers aren't as bad as they could be. That's the only thing I can tell you, Tony. And so we just have to cross our fingers and hope the trend continues.
So the question is, can the trend continue? If you take a look at where the, the, the pre-markets were, certainly they, they celebrated. But as you've described, these people will celebrate anything. These are drug addicts. And any little thing that goes in their favor sends them over the moon in an, in an almost uh, irrational uh, kind, kind of way. But things that get the, the getting better, what is causing the getting better? What caused this this movement in in only a point two, and I forget what the the expectation was a point three, I believe it was. Um, so what caused that? Is it indeed Jerome Powell, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, and the Fed's actions in raising interest rates, or is there something else that the Biden administration could say? This is what we've done, and that's the proof that things are better because of this maneuver we've made. No, there's nothing the Biden administration has done that could have caused this zero. It is 100% Jerome Powell because the fact is we've talked about this a million times and every economist, even the most left-leaning economist will tell you, Tony, that the Biden administration is causing inflation. They continue to have, you know, the, the infrastructure bill, the American rescue plan, the chips and science act, blah, 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 blah. They've caused the inflation. So no, they're doing nothing to take credit for this. They'll claim credit, Tony, don't get me wrong. They will claim credit for inflation being reduced, but instead they should send a thank you note to Jerome Powell. But that's not going to happen. They're not going to send a thank you note to Jerome Powell. As a matter of fact, let me uh, show you a couple of the things that we have here. This is the White House crowing Dr. Will, talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. This is from President Biden's Twitter feed, the POTUS Twitter feed right here. Bidenomics in action. Unemployment unemployment below 4% for the longest stretch in 50 years. Inflation cut in half compared to one year ago. Job satisfaction at a 36-year high. Highest share of working-age Americans in the workforce in 20 years. Low-wage worker pay growing at the fastest pace in over 20 years. And then they put out this. 13.2 million jobs added under President Biden. And then it literally says Bidenomics with the White House logo. And then next to it, they put 13.2 million reasons Bidenomics is working. They love the term. They believe that they're the ones responsible and they're taking every bit of credit. But those are deceptive facts, or I shouldn't say facts, deceptive numbers that they're giving. No, no, they're, they're not deceptive, Tony. They're lying. Let me quote the Washington Post, the left-leaning Washington Post went out of their way to give President Biden based on those two th two things. One is the unemployment, on the, I mean the job growth, and the next was the deficit reduction, which we can talk about also. They gave him what they call a bottomless Pinocchio's because he's repeated the same lie more than 20 times. They call that the bottomless Pinocchios. You know, they have three, four Pinocchios. He got a bottomless one. So, Tony, they're just lying, and they keep repeating the same lie, and even the left-leaning media says, you're lying. And by the way, I, why is he lying? It's important to point out because you put it up there. They didn't create 13 million jobs, Tony. If you were to lay everybody off, if you were to send everybody home, which we did during the pandemic and said, you can't go to work and you can't work remotely, some of you. And then we say, now you can go back to work. We didn't create 13 million jobs because we allowed people to go back to work. In fact, I have data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics that shows we are still 2 million jobs below where we should be. 
We are two million short. We are not thirteen million above. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis, I have been through uh, that data that people going back to work is not job creation. It is absolutely false. But let me give you another one that's getting put out there. This is Corinne Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, who put this out on Twitter. For all of you wondering what is Bidenomics, 13.2 million jobs created, just like you were talking about, unemployment remaining below 4% for the longest stretch, inflation cut in half, almost 800,000 manufacturing jobs created. There's your answer. Uh, No, Tony. No? uh, No, no, no. Are you saying that Corinne Jean-Pierre has got it wrong? Oh, well, I can't criticize her because she's very fragile. She gets very defensive. Anybody anytime criticizes her. But uh, let, let me say, no, that is an absolute lie. Manufacturing. Let me just give you facts, Tony. I'm not going to say Bidenomics is working or failing. Let me just give you some facts. The PMI index, that is the index of manufacturers. We call manufacturers and say, hey, how's it going? Eight months in a row now. Contracting, Tony. Eight months in a row. Last month in June, the first month that they actually said, we are laying off people. So private employment, private market employment shrunk for the first time in June. Eight months of contracting manufacturing. Four months in a row of contracting inventories. Tony, I've got a longer list if you want me to keep going. But as far as I'm concerned, her statement is false. It's so, absolutely false. So when, when manufacturers we, are contracting. If we take a look then, if, if, if you were speaking to a, a, a class, if you were speaking to America, you're giving a, a, a talk. You're, this is your TED Talk moment. It's a Tony talk. We're going to start Tony talks here uh, on Rumble. Um, is Bidenomics good for America? Yes or no? No, Tony. I'm not going to give the TED talk yes or no. Let me give you more data. Germany is in a recession. Yes, an actual recession. We were in a technical recession last year. Data, the inverted yield curve. Short-term rates are higher than long-term rates. Fact, banking crisis. The worst banking crisis since 2008. Fact, energy dependence in this country. Fact, just this morning, TransUnion reported that credit scores in this country are falling for the first time in recent history. And Tony, here's the coup de grace. Foreign direct investment, companies outside the U.S. investing in the United States dropped from $360 billion to $170 billion. Dropped this last year because foreign companies think the U.S. is no longer a good place to do business. That's a fact, Tony. Now, your listeners can decide. Is Bidenomics working? So, so, so you would say no. Okay, no. But we take a look at the numbers we just went through. If, uh, go to bls.gov, and you say this is at least good. You look at these numbers and say this. You don't say it's good. You say it's better. What would allow this to keep up a trend that provides value? Or is this only momentary and the other things that you're discussing, whether it be the banking crisis and these other issues, will eventually outweigh until these things are solved, you can't actually have a better economy? Tony, uh, better is in the eye of the beholder. Clearly, Cringe thinks it's going great. I mean, she says it every day. And she says, we are committed. It's top of mind. I mean, she's got these buzz phrases that just make me, uh, I can't go to sleep. I'm listening to them all the time. But the reality is, just look at this shrinking manufacturing base in the U.S., eight months in a row contracting. Foreign companies, we don't want to invest in the United States. 
that's just factual information, Tony. And why? Global minimum tax. But here's a little twist. This is the funniest thing in the world. So Janet Yellen and Biden have said, we want a global minimum tax. And all these countries agree to it. But guess what? Congress didn't pass it. So now the United States is being penalized by other countries through trade tariffs because we didn't pass the stupid thing that Biden and Yellen convinced everyone to jump on board with. You you, you make it sound uh, so petty. But very often these things are things, you know, in, people engage in these punitive uh, ways. We saw this, you know, under President Trump with tariffs. Now, I, I didn't think that tariffs were petty, but rather a way to try and bring others to the table to engage a, a, a better deal. But certainly one could argue punitive. It wasn't about bringing billions of dollars into the U.S. coffers. It was indeed a tax. Eventually it got paid by uh, us, the, the, the end consumer. The question that I'm asking is, is there the possibility of, of uh, light on the horizon? Is there the possibility of things getting better? Is there anything from this report based on things that the Biden White House, and the Treasury Department, Johnny Yellen and others are doing that we can see as valuable? Or is this just Jerome Powell in a snapshot in time? getting a victory over what Biden and Janet Yellen and the team are doing, and eventually they will overcome him to our own uh, uh, pain. Um, I believe it's a snapshot in time. I believe it's a temporary victory. Um, I don't know who's going to win the battle long-term, Tony. I don't know. Um, and I tell you why. Because I am a little pessimistic on the outcome. Since the Bidenomics is very simple. I mean, you can look it up. There's a lot of different publications, left-leaning publications that define it as the following. Spending on the infrastructure law, spending on the American Rescue Plan, spending on the Chips and Science Act, spending on the Inflation, or as I say, in, you know, Inflation Creation Act. So the definition of Bidenomics is spending money. Unfortunately, Tony, the public likes money being spent. They like money being given to them. Now, they don't like to pay for expensive vacations. They don't like to pay more money for their eggs and their food. They don't like to pay more money for their gasoline. They don't like the fact that they can't get consumer goods. But they like getting the free money. And that's where politics wins over common sense, Tony, because people like free stuff and they can't draw the connection that it's not free. And that's why I'm a professor. I'm trying to teach people there is no free lunch. Your uh, take on whether or not you see this going forward. I know it's a little bit of crystal ball stuff, but the, the, the question before us is um, this just a momentary blip and reality is going to catch up to Bidenomics uh, in next month when we do the month of July? Or does this have the possibility to trend for a, a, a little while and we will see this, this real slowdown of inflation, even though the inflation numbers are still high? Okay, if you're talking about the inflation report, I think we'll continue to see a downward trajectory. Uh, the reason is very simple. Jerome Powell is doing a good job, and Biden's spending is in check by the Republicans in Congress. So I think for the time being that the inflation good news will continue. But you're not feeling that on the economy as a whole? No. And I'm not feeling it on the economy as a whole for that long diatribe I just gave, which it was, I just think that the the consumer that's the voter likes what biden is doing relative to giving them free stuff 
Dr. Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis. I appreciate you taking the time. Dr. Matt Will, Dr. Matt Will, on the Twitter box if you want to follow him. More is coming up. I'm Tony Katz. In the middle, baby. So just as we're talking with Dr. Matt Will about what's going on with this economy, the White House uh, puts out on uh, Twitter, inflation-adjusted income is up 3.5%, 3.5% since POTUS took office, and low-wage workers have seen the largest wage gains over the last year, helping to power our economy. Bidenomics is growing the economy from the middle out and the bottom up. Yeah, it, it got, uh, they put it on Twitter, and it got the community notes. People are fact-checking what it is the White House said. Oh, caught in the lie again. It's all they do, and they're doing it shamelessly. This was my point about the whole talk about Bidenomics and how they're they're totally in love with the, with the moniker. They have been caught in lie after lie after lie after lie after lie on the economy. They don't care. All they're going to do is get everyone to, to like repeat the mantra, middle out, bottom up, middle out, bottom up, growing the economy, growing the economy. It's just not true. I would like it if it was true. We'd all be better off if it was true. I don't, I can disagree with Biden on a whole series of things. It doesn't mean I want a bad economy. I want people having jobs. I want things to cost me less, damn it. But they lie about everything. So don't be uh, surprised when Bidenomics becomes Lidenomics because uh, the White House lies. Biden lies. They lie about everything all the time. The disrespect they have for you and me is absolutely overwhelming. This is Tony Katz today. Find everything at TonyKatz.com.